Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His kingdom. Today we're going to talk about two main things, and those things are action and motives. So the action of giving to the poor, understanding why God asks us to do that, why he cares about it so much, and then how we do that in a posture that continues to be in line with his heart. But before I like really, really jump in, I want to talk about the words, the actual language, the poor. Because <clears throat> when I say the poor, it feels like I'm saying that somebody else, somebody outside this space, like we're talking about somebody that isn't with us. And actually, there's the poor are with us. Like, when I'm not talking about somebody else that isn't in this space. Um, we come in here with equal footing. Everybody is um, on a level playing field. But um, the poor, we have a lot of friends in here that are really struggling to make it. So when I say the poor throughout this talk, I'm like aware that the poor with us, and um, that we all have some kind of poverty. Um, but today, what this is really talking about is this, this little message is really talking about people that are on the margins, that are living in poverty and need assistance, and how God has asked us as his body to like step in and be that. So I'm going to read from As We Care for the Poor, Matthew. Um, I'm going to start in <clears throat> 5, Matthew 5, verse 48. Does anybody want a Bible? Does anybody care to have a real Bible in your hands? Matthew 5, 48. I'm reading out of a, a, a translation that's a, like a paraphrasing of, of the Bible. It's called the message. It's not, um, it's, it's good sometimes to read out of the message because it gives us really a freshness of the text. I, I will read it again later in a more um, common, um, more language that we would recognize, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it out of here first, a little bit fresh. In a word, what I am saying is grow up. Your kingdom subjects now live like it. Live out of your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. So while we're going, while we're living generously and graciously, he says, but be especially careful when you're doing this, when you're trying to do good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. 
You've seen them in action, I'm sure play actors, I call them, treating prayer meeting and street corners alike a stage. Acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They get their applause true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks, just do it, quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God who conceived you in love working behind the scenes helps you out. So be especially careful when you're doing good, when you give to the poor, when you give to the needy. So the main thing that we have to establish first is like the action. You can't really check your motives if you're not moving. So when you give to the poor, here is a verb. It's an action. It, Jesus is assuming we're going to be in motion. And Erin, I love Erin Mathis. She gave me this picture like two years ago, and I think about it all the time. She said, it's really hard to steer a car that's not moving. Like, if you're just stuck, it's so hard for God to even, even you can't even be corrected if you're, if you're stuck. So this is a very directional, instructive text on how we give. <clears throat> so giving to the poor is something Jesus is assuming we're doing. He's speaking to an audience that really, um, really understands this culturally. He's speaking to a Jewish audience who gives charity or alms as a normal part of life. It's a tradition, and it's like so ingrained in who they are. It's just what they do. So historically, in the Old Testament, the Bible has an Old and a New Testament, um, and the Old Testament is the story of creation and God's people and his relationship with his kids and how they are figuring out how to worship him. And historically... He gets really pissed, and he brings judgment for two things. When they're worshiping idols, and when they are callous and neglect the poor, alien, fatherless, and widow, marginalized people. That's what God gets really pissed about. And then Jesus comes, his son, he sends his son, the New Testament. Jesus comes, um, and his whole ministry is filled with compassion and care for the poor. He stands up, Jesus stands up in the synagogue, and to say who he is, to tell everybody who he is, he reads out of the prophet Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. I actually have a picture of this. You can go to the next one. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's flavor. flavor, favor. Then he rolls up his scroll, he hands it back to the attendant, and everyone's eyes are on him in the synagogue. And he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in my hearing. So he stands up and he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in my hearing, in your hearing. Today, this is who I am. This is what is happening. This is who Jesus, this is who he is, his identity. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
That's the first thing he says. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to recover sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's like a big deal, guys. That's what, if that's what Jesus says he is, who he is, and we're supposed to follow Jesus in everything, that's like our main objective. The Apostle Paul also recognizes this in, in, is a huge priority in Galatians 2. Um, he's about to start one of his missionary journeys. And he's with some of the other apostles. And we, we miss this a lot. It's um, Galatians 2.9. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me. And they accepted me and Barnabas as co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles, and they would continue their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that, they, that we keep helping the poor, which I was already eager to do. So he's about to go on a missionary journey to tell, God about, to tell people about God and his kingdom, and the only thing that they remind him to do is to care for the poor. And he said, that's what I'm really actually eager to do. There's something, there's a flavor of that. I'm hungry to do that. I want to do that. So historically, God's heart is attuned to the poor. Jesus models it through his disciples. And I want to read this quote. You can look at it with me. Um, It's by Father Greg Boyle. It says, no daylight to separate us, only kinship, inching ourselves closer to creating a community of kinship such that God might recognize it. If we're creating a community of kinship that God might see, oh, that's my community. God might recognize it. Soon we imagine with God this circle of compassion. Then we imagine no one standing outside the circle, moving ourselves closer to the margins so that the margins themselves will be erased. We stand there with those whose dignity has been denied. We locate ourselves with the poor and powerless and voiceless. At the edges, we join the easily despised and the readily left out. We stand with the demonized so that the demonizing will stop. We situate ourselves right next to the disposable so that the day will come when we stop throwing people away. Like, that's the posture we long for at Basileia. That's who we want to be. Come, Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's good. Harry's feeling the Holy Spirit. It's really good, Harry. Come, Holy Spirit. We long for that to be who we are, this idea of equals and friendship and kinship. And this is where we want to get better at continuing to stand, like as a body. You guys ask, like, what's the vision of Basileia? Who are we? What are we going to be? Give me some parameters. I want to know what's important to you. This is it. This is where we're going. This is where we're going to get better at standing. This is where I want to get better at standing. This is where I want you to get better at standing with me. And I I know it's a journey. I know it's uncomfortable. 
And I hope you stick around so that your heart will like soften to this if you're like, that's not, I mean, I grew up in a church that this was not the priority. This was not the vision. This was not the journey. This was not who we were looking at. And I have to say, if, if you don't want to get there, if there's no, nothing in you that feels like this is the direction I should go, then actually this community probably is not going to be the right place for you. It's going to be super uncomfortable. And we just, we just, we want that to, to be so a part of who we are, continuing to make space and letting poor and marginalized people be at the center. And we, I hope you stick around and let God, like, touch your heart for people. So what's really cool about this text is that it talks about the action of giving to the poor, but then it talks about, it's super instructive about how we do this in a way that's really honoring God. There's no parables. There's nothing like tricky really about this text, which is nice because sometimes Jesus talks and you're like in riddles and you're like, wait, I need to go study and figure out what that means. But like this is super clear. So this next part is like the check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, <laughs> motivational motivation part. So our founding pastor, David Roos, like said over and over and over, the poor, are not, the poor are not a photo op. So I'm going to read this, Matthew 6 again. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So like there's a historical picture here where the Pharisees, I have a picture of a Pharisee or somebody with a horn. Do you see that, Danae? Ah. So the Pharisees would go into the streets and then blow this trumpet so the poor would come to them or they would blow it in the synagogue so that people would know that it was they, they would um, their, the charity and alms would be given and Jesus is like looking at them and he's recognizing like actually you're doing that basically he sees their heart and he says he recognizes that their main purpose is to be praised for their kindness. And Jesus calls them hypocrites. And a hypocrite in ancient Greek culture is a performer, like it's an actor. They called actors hypocrites, which is interesting, right? A hypocrite, somebody who um, pretends to be something they're not. That's where the word comes from. And I think we know a little bit about that in LA. It's like saturated with people who are pretending to be something they're not. And we pretend to be things we're not. So his main concern is the motivation of the heart. And he's warning us not to pretend for the praise of others or even for ourselves. That's that kind of piece of not letting your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Not, we're not doing this for ourselves to make ourselves feel better for this warm and fuzzy feeling we get when we give. Um, so Jesus says, give in secret. The one, give in secret. And... Um, when you do that, you guard against performing. There's like such a, it's just like a built-in guard for performing 
and <clears throat> performing for others instead of giving honor to God. Um, Troy and I were recently at a charity event that, I mean, it's like a good event. Like, it's like a good cause. And I think sometimes, I mean, people get their reward in full. Like, sometimes the reward people want is to be seen. But Jesus is saying, like, that you've, got, you've, you've received your reward already. But we went to this event, and it was like... <sighs> really long and it was like 10 o'clock at night and there were these like first and second graders up on stage like standing there for like half an hour while people raised their paddles and gave like from $10,000 to $50 for half an hour we're just like looking at these kids and like I get it like I get we need to raise money but there's like this thing that is, it was just like they've received their reward in full. $10,000 to be seen. Like go home and write your check and put it in the mail. Yeah? Um, I, I don't know who came up with this. Um, do you have the big check picture? <laughs> like who came up with the... The big, the big check idea, but this is like, like these people are doing amazing things. I'm not, I'm not judging that. I'm just saying like, it seems like that's their reward in full, right? <clears throat> so giving in secret helps us avoid this and it, it changes it to a totally like different posture. I just I had that picture and then this other picture of Jesus. Like just like like upside down the kingdom. And the second thing is giving as as like a norm. Jesus talks about our right hand not knowing what our left hand is doing. And he's he's not saying like you can separate yourself. He's saying um really that you're guarding against an internal posture of like loftiness and the emotional high you get when you give when when giving is just kind of like a normal repetitive thing in your life when we learn how to do this together and it, you just kind of um let the Holy Spirit guide you and you say, what do I have and who do I see? And you wake up and you say, what do I have and who do I see? And it becomes this thing where you're not clinging to those memories of when you did that one great thing for somebody um, and to make yourself feel better. It's just who you are. It's how you live. It's who you are. It's how you live. And, um, and this rhythm of giving in secret and giving as a norm is... So it's interesting because the, <clears throat> it's not even attention, but previously we heard in Matthew that we're to be salt and light in the world. We're supposed to be the healing, preservative, and the illumination of Jesus. And when we're giving and when we're doing it in secret, it's not that we won't be seen. We'll totally be seen sometime, but people won't actually see you. They'll see Jesus because your posture's right. And it's, I, it's not like, it's all of us working on this. It's like a taste that we get. 
together. We're going to like start really craving this and wanting this as we do it together. So some practical things that we can be doing. Ed came in here and shared about um, hope and what they do. Amazing. It's like asking, why, why, why are we not moving? The question is, why aren't we moving? But there's like some really, there's, we don't just have to stand and blow our trumpet and ask people to come to us to give. There's like, there's sacrifice in the giving. So there's a few ways that we're doing that. And I've purposely not shared specific examples of people giving in the community today because it's kind of like the opposite of what the text is saying to give in secret. But there is ways that um, we are doing that. And I want to invite you guys to do that. One way is what Ed talked about earlier, partnering with Hope. We're on this campus. We want to be on this campus for a long time. And... Um, we're partnering them with in some ways, but we could just like be better at loving them and what they do. And then um, we're, we just continue to step in at Covenant House. There's a lot of people doing things at Covenant House in this room, which is really cool. Um, and they've just asked us to bring who we are, bring our talents, and give. So I know Troy always says that to me. Covenant House is right down the road. It's a um, program, a shelter for homeless youth. And um, it's really good. Google it. <clears throat> so I really want to end um, with asking, I want to I reread Father Boyle's quote, and I want us to um, spend about five minutes just thinking through the deep things that God can show us and wants to heal us of that hold us hostage, our feet in cement, so we can't actually um, we can't actually move. Like what is going on inside that helps will help us move? So I want us to pray about that, and I want us to think through like who. Who have we thrown away and asked for forgiveness about it? And a lot of times we um, spend the end of this space, and we can still have some prayer time upstairs if you like, don't want to walk away without prayer, but I would love us to just end with worship today and not make it a lot about ourselves. Um, that song, Jer, if you would... The band would come up, actually, and just play a little softly. I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to read the quote and pray over us. And um, then in about five minutes, if we could end with, um, and the whole band doesn't actually need to come up. Just a few of you is, is great. <laughs> it's like half the room. <laughs> um, and then can we, will you play like quietly? And then will you end with the song you sang at the end, the last song you sang? Lord, let your glory fall. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, ministry time, asking God if there's anybody we've thrown away and forgiveness for that. And then asking him, what are the deep things inside us that keep us, our feet, in cement where we can't actually move um, toward the poor and asking him for some healing for that. Let's see.
No daylight to separate us, only kinship, inching ourselves closer to creating community of kinship such that God might recognize it. Soon we imagine with God this circle of compassion. Then we imagine no one standing outside of the circle, moving ourselves closer to the margin so that the margins themselves will be erased. We stand there with those whose dignity has been denied. We locate ourselves with the poor and the powerless and the voiceless. At the edges, we join the easily despised and the readily left out. We stand with the demonizing so that the demonizing will stop. We situate ourselves right next to the disposable so that the day will come when we stop throwing people away. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And just thank you for who Jesus is. And he came for all of us. And he came to set the oppressed free. And we just ask that you would work in us now. God, bring up memories. I just pray you would soften our hearts. Help us just be really open to what you're doing. Break pride in us, God. God, teach us how to proclaim the good news.